0: There are 36,000 realtors in the state of Ohio, and today we're gonna talk to the number one team in the entire state. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? And now onto our show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with top producer, Ryan Young. Before we get to Ryan, just two quick reminders, actually three quick reminders. I'll keep them real short. First, please support our sponsors. You heard them at the beginning of the show. We also have them throughout the interview portion. Please, they are the reason we can pay our bills and pay our staff, pay our team. So please support them, check out their services and products. We only uh, we only promote products and services that we think are just unbelievably great for realtors. So that's one. Second, please tell a friend about this podcast. That's the other way we grow is by telling other realtors about us. And the third thing that you could do that we think would be really helpful for you is actually to follow us on social media. Every single weekday, we post a short clip from one of our episodes, kind of like a best of with an actionable insight or moment. We post them every day or every weekday on all the various social channels, even including TikTok, and um, we're on like six or seven social channels. So anywhere, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, etc., Twitter, you can find us all those places. Just pull up any sort of social platform you use, search for Keeping It Real, hit that subscribe button, we would really appreciate it. All right, guys, let's get to the main event, my conversation with Ryan Young. Today, our guest is Ryan Young from the Young team with Keller Williams in Cleveland, Akron, and Canton, Ohio. And also the founder of Fellow, which is a seller lead generation tool. We're gonna to be talking about that shortly. I should also mention, by the way, before I get into Ryan's bio, uh, that he well, I think it's in his bio, but just in case it isn't, he literally has the the most successful large team in Ohio. So we're super excited to talk to him about his business fellow and also the young team as well. But let me tell you more about Ryan. He is the CEO of the young team, recognized as the number one large size team in Ohio and the number 18 team in the United States by Wall Street Journal Real Trends. Uh, the young team, this is insane, last year 2022 completed 600, more than 600 sales transactions with over 200 million in production. 600 transactions, 200 million in production, insane. Ryan's a third generation real estate agent with the real estate ingrained, obviously, into his DNA. and the young team has been a Keller Williams Top 100 team for several years in a row. In 2019, Ryan recognized the challenges faced by agents due to national prop tech companies and founded Flashhouse. Flashhouse Flash House was a direct-to-consumer iBuyer that bought and sold over 500 homes in Northeast Ohio since 2020. In 2022, Ryan founded Fellow, which is highfellow.com, H-I-F-E-L-L-O.com. Link to that in our show notes which since its launch in October of 2022 is quickly becoming the most powerful seller lead generation tool in real estate, a coveted coveted uh, place to be. Um, Fellow is now being used by 35 of the top 100 Real Trends teams in the country, including Rob uh, Takansky, Jeff Cook, Robert Slack, Andrew Duncan, and more. Probably many of the people that have been on this show use Fellow, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, at his core, Ryan is committed to empowering all agents with the tools and tech that has fueled his team's success. To learn more about Fellow, go to Hi Fellow. H-I-F-E-L-L. Dot com, highfellow.com for the seller lead generation tool. And if you are an agent in the uh, Northeast Ohio area, this would be Cleveland, uh, Canton, Akron, around there. If you are thinking about maybe seeing what other opportunities exist as an agent, I know I would be reaching out to Ryan because uh, I'd love to get you know, on a team that did 600 transactions and 200 million last year. So anyway, reach out to them. You can visit them at the youngteam.com com. link to that as well in the show notes, Ryan, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for
1: having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, excited to have you. Um, for two major reasons. Usually guests, we have one, we have one major focus. In your case, we're going to talk about two of them. And I'm really excited. But before we get into, you know, the fellow and and what the technology that you've built does for agents, I'd love to hear your personal journey into real estate because you, even though it, it is in your DNA and you're third-generation realtor, um, it wasn't how you started. You didn't start in real estate. Um, You had a different career. So uh, tell us about how you got into real estate and and why.
1: Yes. So um, many don't know, but before I got into real estate, I was actually a professional chef. Uh, I graduated from the Culinary Institute of America uh, when I was 20 years old and thought I had life all figured out, right? Just like many 20-year-olds. And I cooked all over the country and Chicago and Las Vegas, New York, um, and all of a sudden, I got to my mid twenties and had a mid twenty life crisis, and was like, "What am I doing with my life? I'm working hard, I'm making no money, uh, I have no weekends, no holidays. I all my friends that I graduated with are all going out and doing things and visiting each other, and I'm stuck, you know, in the restaurant industry working." a lot. And so I was in Vegas at the time. I think I was 26. I reached out to my folks who were realtors in Cleveland. They had a team, just the two of them. And uh, I called them and said, you guys are going to think this sounds crazy, but what do you think about me moving back home? I was in Vegas at the time and actually getting into the real estate industry. And really what I was saying to them is I have an associate's degree in culinary arts. I'm 26 years old. What can I do? Uh, what takes the littlest, the least amount of education? Littlest, actually, that makes sense. When I'm saying least amount of education, the least amount of education, um, it has the most upside, financial upside. And I was like, ah, the real estate industry. You go to school for 120 hours, and next thing you know, you can sell people's largest assets. And uh, so they said, you know, if you're going to do this, one of our core values is have a decided heart, and if you're committed to it, if, moved back home. So I moved back with them. This was 2009 and got my license and that started building from there.
0: It, it, it you know, you, you have, uh, you've made that a very condensed story but we should i should mention that when you were working here in chicago at least only because i live in chicago ryan wasn't just a chef here in chicago he was a chef at the very number one most exclusive restaurant in chicago or if it's not number one it's number two and we are where ryan and i were talking about this beforehand we're you know chicago has a lot of really really great restaurants so he was like at the very top of the mountain i've only, i've actually been to the restaurant ryan was at it's called alinea google it sometimes. If you want to see uh, the crazy molecular gastronomy stuff that they do, but but you know world renowned place. Um, so Ryan was was not floundering in his career, but that's just um, how difficult you know working in food service can be, even even at the top. And so it's it's so amazing to me that you were able to transition from. What I consider I, I always think of chefs as being extraordinarily creative. I don't know maybe that's maybe that's not always accurate, but I always think like that's a different skill set than than doing real estate, but maybe it isn't. I, I don't I mean obviously mechanically it's different, but maybe the disciplines and the habits are similar. I'm, I'm not sure. so how, how was it making that transition from you know being a real professional chef to uh, going and starting you know building a business from from the ground floor in, in a totally different industry?
1: Yeah, I mean it's funny. I I owe a lot of the success I've had in real estate to my uh, professional training in the culinary world. Um, what's interesting is the culinary world is a lot of creativity, right? It's very hands-on. Um, when you're working at the level of restaurants that I was working at, like the one in Chicago, um, it's a very disciplined industry. And when you get to that level of elite restaurants, where it, it's, it's it's much more than loud music bumping in a kitchen while people are showing up hungover. It's like it's a very like almost autocratic type of like environment where no one's talking. Everyone is very laser focused. Um, and, you know, you're, you're, you're striving to be the best restaurant in the world. And that comes with expectations. Um, And so it's interesting, though, that kind of created the work ethic for me on what I applied it to what I was doing in the culinary industry and, and in some of these restaurants where you're working, you're getting in at 10 a.m. and you're not leaving there till 2 a.m. And it, you apply that type of work ethic to an industry like real estate. Um, I really do think that's one of the things that propelled uh, my career pretty quickly because I was running circles around people. I was outworking people in Northeast Ohio when I first got licensed. And to me, that was not like an exhausting speed. It was the speed I was used to. Um, if anything, it was a pretty casual speed when you consider the nature of showing homes, and it's and it's yeah. fun, and it's you know, and it's like it's a little bit more informal and stuff like that. Um, so for me, I really applied that work ethic and that preparation on how we approach being in the kitchen at some of these amazing restaurants to actually um, applying that to my real estate practice. And some of the discipline and how I approached our business, and I really do think that's something that I attribute to uh, the success we we had early on was the work ethic and discipline that I was taught in the, the restaurant industry.
0: Well, and and in the restaurant industry, just just to sort of put a, a finer point on this, which I think. I, I think, or not a finer point, but but my own little take on it, which I'm curious to get your opinion on, is when you work at the level of restaurants and you worked with the the chefs that are at that level and the food prep and the sous chefs and, and, and the whole team. Um, you never know when the michelin guy's coming in to do to do his uh do his review right they don't give you the heads up so you have to always everything is precision right everything. there's this precision model that we don't know when we're going to be judged on the world stage by some bozo at michelin or or whatever you know the local uh, newspaper or whatever so we we have we and people are paying a super high premium to be here so everything is perfect i i, I first out of college um i worked for well uh, second job out of college but basically first job. Um, I worked at Anheuser-Busch and I know a lot of people don't automatically associate Budweiser the beer with w- the actual beer Budweiser with uh, high quality, but there's a reason why and it's not number 1 anymore now I think Bud Light is number 1, but Budweiser was the king of beers as people know for a long long time and it wasn't just cuz of the marketing. Like they legitimately had a precision that other beer manufacturers didn't have and I I learned a lot of that from them. Uh, at a similar sort of situation. I was like, oh, I'm working for the best, or the biggest, rather. Not necessarily the best, but the biggest. And I I understand the precision that they played at was was just a different level. Um, So I imagine you have a lot of that as well.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting is before – I was in Vegas before I moved back to Cleveland, and I worked at the Wynn. And uh, Steve Wynn um, was notorious for treating – expecting him, uh, holding himself accountable to the same actions that he holds all of his employees to. So, you know, Steve Wynn would be walking through the casino and if there was a wrapper or a little something on the floor, he'd bend over and pick it up. You know, it's like, yeah. and and that was his expectations of this is how we, when we are here, this is how we behave. This is how we approach the hospitality industry and how we approach every single client should feel like this is a special experience and stuff like that. And um, there's a lot of, you know, especially in that level of hospitality and restaurants and hotels and resorts, stuff like that. You talk about Disney and some of these other, like, philosophically, just like the people that do it the best. um, It's an experience. And when we can apply that to the consumer experience that we have in the real estate industry, I I say this, like, with all due respect, but, like, the bar is set pretty low um, for our industry, which is a shame because... It's such an important experience in people's lives and so if you can provide a delightful experience or um, exceed the expectations of the customer um, it creates long-term business foundational type of opportunities that just creates so much long-term business
0: yeah i agree i, I again it's just precision and and this experiential idea like like you talked about disney um I, I don't know this maybe this is a rumor but i'd always heard and maybe this is true. We'll assume it's true for the sake of me saying it. Um, but if it isn't true, it's a heck of a good idea. Where even the people who work in the park, out with the, uh, even the people who are picking up trash, even the the low the lowliest worker, maybe in the park. Um, if they come across a patron, you know, one, one a vacationer or a visitor, um, i believe if they're within a certain number of feet, they are expected to smile, look that person in the eye and smile. Like they are expected not to be invisible. They're not uh, supposed to ignore the patrons or actually supposed to make the patron feel good uh, about, yep. you know, spending <laughs> thousands of dollars to and walk around experience. amusement park. Yeah. And and it works and it's important. And, and there's a precision to that. There's actually, that's just a rule, but it's a heck of a good rule. And I imagine, you know, you've worked in places with those kind of rules where, where it's, well, Hey, you know, we're a premium brand, we're a premium product. Um, and, and, you know, if, if you can take that premium sort of experience and, and give it to the, uh, you know, even a non-premium consumer, boy, you're going to make them feel like a million dollars. And that's what everybody wants to feel
1: like in what it is is and you hear this term thrown around a lot or this word thrown around a lot, but what it is, it's the culture. It's a, it's a culture of they hire to that culture at Disney or to these, right. You know, it's like, it's an expectation. As soon as you walk in the door, it's an expectation, even before you walk in the door, in the interview process, this is what we are expecting from our team members. And when you, when you create that culture and that's what essentially, uh, everyone is bought into then all of a sudden it doesn't feel like abnormal or um, it's it's not exhausting. It's not, it's, it's, it's effortless, you know,
0: standard operating procedure at some point, it just becomes, that's how we do things. Now um, I I would love, I would love to t- to find out because Ryan didn't just become a realtor and become successful. His team is the most successful large team uh, in, in 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 Ohio uh, currently, which is an, inset- an incredible. Ohio is not a small place. Um, I and I would love to know how you started. Obviously, again, your parents. You, know, you probably had a good sense of what it takes being around it because your, your parents, I'm sure you just identified sort of the work that's needed um, and also having this incredible work ethic ingrained into you in your previous culinary career. I'm curious though how you started because you still had to start uh, with, with zero clients, right? And I'm curious on like what that process was to grow from just starting uh, in 2009, I believe is is around that when you yeah. said, to, um, to now last year doing... You know, six hundred with your team, six hundred transactions, which is beyond it. You'd be, you'd have. I think here in Chicago, I'd have to look at the stats, but I think you'd be the largest team in Chicago as well. So it's it's a, obviously a, a, a massive accomplishment. So I'm curious, how, how did you ramp up?
1: Yeah, so um, it's not like the the glamorous story that I think like people expect. I actually spent the first two years living in my parents' basement. I was also working full time at a restaurant serving. I moved to the front of the house to make some money. Uh, the market. This was right. I moved back then the two thousand. <laughs> right,
0: right, When it all crashed.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's like not the best time to like get into real estate. So it's like I wish I could say like my first couple of years were like you know peaches and cream, but it was uh it was rough. Like and it, it I was I was learning, you know. And I spent the first couple of years I was doing everything from putting in signs to I really wasn't selling that much. There wasn't much to sell. Photographing houses, uh, in data input, uh, MLS, like a little bit of everything, right? And then finally, after I think it was two thousand twelve, um, I finally was like, "Mom, Dad, I got to get out of your house." And like, I'm twenty nine years old. Like, what are we, you know? And it's funny because I, you know, in Vegas, I was living my best life. Bought a house when I was twenty two, and you know, live, you know, living a pretty, pretty good young person's life, and. Sure. Uh, I finally said, I'm like, you know, we, if we're going to do this, let's do this. And I moved out of their house, got my own place. And I said, let's, let's attack this. The market was starting to open up just a little bit. It was like 2012, you know, we are finally like, we bottomed out. And now I think we're like on the upswing. And I basically, I got a coach. I got super aggressive into calling expires and Fizbo's and lead generation. I got very aggressive. One of the things that I had going for myself was I was probably 29 at the time. And there were a lot of people moving back to Cleveland. My friends, when you're when you grow up in Cleveland, uh, as soon as you turn 18, you get as far away as possible. Like, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. Like, either you go to college or you move to Chicago yeah. or you move to yeah. LA or New York or wherever. It's like you grow up and you look at this small town and you're like, I just can't wait to get out of here. The funny thing is, after a decade of being away, you realize how great Cleveland is, and so people start to move back, just like I did, right? And so I was kind of, I started getting a lot of people that were moving back. Once I started having a little bit more success, they were like, hey, Ryan, long time, it's been 10 years, we're moving back, we see you're doing well in real estate. So I started to pick up a lot of those first time home buyers and the people moving back. But once I hit like 2012, 2013, I just started out working everyone. And um, I was in the office early, I was out on appointments late and I was just grinding really hard. And we got to a point where I remember my parents used to I sell like 35, 40 homes a year together. Um, I think
0: which is a great business, by the way. Great business, great
1: business, yeah. no expenses, very low, you know, yeah. high margin, like very respectable, respectable business. Um, I think after that year we maybe sold 80 or 90 homes. And I was like, all right, this is this is happening. Like, let's do this, right? And then we just went through the let's hire, let's bring on an EA. And we brought on someone to kind of hit manage the operations. What, what,
0: EA executive assistant. Is that what EA means? Executive means. assistant.
1: Yep. And, and then from there, you know, we we basically started growing kind of organically, like the, or I guess at the time it was an ops, you know, person, operations person. Um, but they handled, they pulled a lot of the things that I'm weak at away from me to let me continue to focus on selling and growing. And then before you know it. We had more opportunities than I could handle. And then we brought on a buyer's agent and it's kind of like the, you know, the seventh level type of model, how you continue to grow and leverage yourself more and more. And before you know it, it was probably 2015, 2016, and we were selling two hundred and fifty homes a year. And then it was like, okay, now I started I started hanging out in circles where people were selling five hundred, a thousand homes a year. Yeah. And although two hundred and fifty at the time felt like a big deal, when you're hanging out with these people that are selling a thousand, it's like I suck. You know, it's like I I'm worthless. And so then I started aspiring to be to to run a business more based on what some of these other people are building, and it sure. kind of showed me that it's like let's it's not possible. be like a, a big. Yeah. It's possible. Let's not be a big fish in a puddle. Let's you know be a small fish in an ocean and let's keep growing. And so the funny thing is we we started really growing heavy from like 2017 to I say like 2021. Um, And now we've kind of been, we've been pretty stable. Uh, Obviously the launch of Fellow, me building a whole other company potentially slowed us down a little bit, but it's like, you know, we've been hovering between that five and 600 units a year. It's a very comfortable business. Our average agent sells about 45 homes a year on our team, so it's it's a our, our agents are very high producers, uh, very yeah. high productive. Um, but now we're actually at a place where, once again, surrounding yourself with bigger agents and me being fellow has given me exposure to a lot of the biggest teams in the country. I see what some of these teams are building, and I realize the five to six hundred units a year is nice, but we're selling ourselves short. We can continue to grow, so. We just kind of turned on that growth mode switch, basically this year, um, to really start accelerating and expanding what we're doing.
0: It's incredible. It's it's. I, I know there's probably a lot of our audience that feels, oh, I can't relate to that kind of production. But I do want to say, um, and Ryan m- made this very clear about outworking the competition, being from his previous training of working at these high-end culinary institutions and and being expected to to put in a lot of hours. But he was also not just putting in a lot of hours. He was doing the grunt work of real estate, which is, and you said this very quickly, and I just want to make sure everyone who heard it understands what this is. He mentioned about calling expireds and FISBOs, and I I always assume everybody knows what that means. But just in case you don't, uh, what that means is Ryan is calling people that do not want to hear from him because they have either Hired a realtor who didn't get their home sold and they're probably pissed off about it. Or it's somebody who goes, I am not going to work with a realtor. That's the, f- the f- for sale by owner. Again, I hope everyone knows what that means. But we are calling people that do not want our calls. Ryan's making those calls and he's and he's having success with it. These are, if you want to cut your teeth and really learn what you're made of, uh, FISBOs and expireds are, are the battleground. They are difficult. They are tough. And these leads are sold to Dozens of realtors in your area every – they get the same leads you do. So it could be – you could be sharing the same phone number with about 15, 20 other agents – So you might be the 15th phone call that person's got the same day. So I'm just I'm making this a big deal because these are literally the toughest calls in real estate. And I think what a great place to just build character, resiliency, learn how to talk to people, outwork the competition because you are definitely in competition on a FISBO or an expired. Everybody's trying, and even wholesalers are trying to call them. It's just all they're getting bombarded. So sorry to make such a big thing about this, but it is important because it probably built i I'm, I'm curious what you learned from calling Fiscos and expires Cause nobody talks about well, it anymore. The, and
1: I, I, um, I sound like the old guy that when I was your age, I had to walk to school uphill both ways, bare feet, and a couple feet of smell. Like I used to role play and practice every day. And I try to really, you know, press that upon my agents. Um, agents on the young team and be like, guys, like, I don't think you understand the, the, the commitment I invested into the craft of getting really good at it. Right. Um, and then the second thing is, uh, I realized that these are all just normal people and they're all, you know, one of our core values is get out of judgment and into curiosity. And every time someone I talk to is pissed off, it's like, they're not pissed at me. Right. They don't know me. They don't hate me. They don't, it's like, but they're in a, uncomfortable situation and the more you can approach a conversation as just a conversation and i think i started to put take less pressure off it and just listen more and come from a place of contribution and trying to understand more versus i think so many salespeople they have these scripts and the scripts are supposed to be a path or a guide of what you're supposed to say but when you're when you're really, really dialed in, the conversation feels effortless, right? Like this is what you do in, in your space, right? With podcasts and interviewing people, you make them very comfortable and opening up and talking. And it's like, that's our job when we're calling these type of leads is to make them feel comfortable. And so sometimes if you just go through the script, but you're not really listening to what they're saying, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, it's just not going to end well, right? And so what I think I got really good at was so confident in my scripts and dialogues that I could sit back and actually listen and stop worrying about what the words on the paper say or what I'm supposed to say and actually just use those as kind of guiding points for me to get to where I wanted to go. Um, And it completely changed the game. And it it changed the game on how I approach listing presentations. And it changed the game how we approach building Fellow um, as well because it made me realize that like, there's a lot of people out there that want our help. And it's just a matter of the presentation of how we get in front of them and show them what they're actually looking for is how we can actually help them. And so that was that was like, um, it was very big for our business for me to kind of grind my teeth on those and build our business through that because no matter what the market's doing, it could be 2010 all over again or 2020 when COVID, I feel like I built the skill sets to be able to go hunt essentially and and versus always just fielding inbound and and nurturing and stuff like that. So I'd say our business wouldn't be where it was without that. Uh,
0: It's an incredible growth. And I think a great place to start talking about your newest endeavor. Uh, Again, it's I, I, I definitely want to ask you about balance in your life because most realtors I know struggle with boundaries around, you know, taking care of themselves, their families, their friends, uh, their, their social, their physical health, et cetera, and their business. Um, and you're running two major businesses, uh, trying to do that in a team and, you know, whatever's going on in your personal life. Um, and, uh, and you have time to even, uh, jump on a podcast with me. So I'm definitely would love to hear, but before we get to balance, I want to talk about fellow because, uh, this, I. I, you know, it's funny. I, I'm I'm in charge of the technology for our firm, so I get pitched by a lot of tech companies because we have about 800 agents and whatever. I guess they think you know we'd be a good sale. Um, so I get I get a lot of pitches by different uh, tech firms, and rarely to never uh, do I do I hear about seller prospecting tools. Um, we, we you know obviously the the easiest type of leads to generate are buyer leads, um, but. Uh, there's already a, a lot of different companies out there fighting in that space. And you're fighting in a different space. You're you're playing in a different arena. I'm super excited to, to learn about it. Um, so let's talk about it. So by the way, the website is hifellow.com, H-I-F-E-L-L-O.com. But what is Fellow? Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, Fellow is a seller lead generation platform. And I think the, um, I always like to just preface, we don't sell leads, right? What we do is we help you incubate and help you create opportunities out of potential, uh, opportunities that you've already acquired. Okay. So I want to ask uh, a
0: quick question. I'm sorry. I'm going to interrupt you because I want to make this point. Why, why did you decide not to sell leads? Obviously you could have built that too. Um, you could have built a a lead generation platform and instead you said, I want to build more of a, of a sphere of influence, nurturing, you know, already in your database, uh, seller, uh, lead platform. Why the decision to go to somebody's internal sphere versus the entirety of, of uh, you know, the, the market?
1: Yeah. So let me take the story back a couple years and I think this will um, help answer that question. So you mentioned in the intro, we had a company called Flash House. Flash House was a direct to consumer iBuyer that we built in Northeast Ohio. And within three years, we received about 5,500 offer requests from sellers. Okay, So we are going direct to consumer over three years, postcards, all these things, spending about six figures a month driving these sellers or homeowners to request a cash offer. Um, What was interesting to us was less than 2% of those people that requested an offer actually sold their home to us. So that left 98 plus percent of people that were sitting there, I'm a homeowner and I'm hands raised thinking, right hands raised right and so my the young team was the beneficiary of those 98% of people because I owned both companies right so we realized that like wait a minute what are what are we doing here why are we trying to buy homes why are we going direct to consumer we feel like we've created some pretty powerful tools that have really helped us reduce down our customer acquisition cost as we go direct to consumer Let's empower agents with these tools, right? And originally the whole thesis was we gave the agents the technology when we betaed it. And all we wanted to do was be the eye buyer standing behind them. So what it looked like was I'd call up you, DJ, and say, hey, I've got a product. It's free. All you have to do is upload your entire database and we're going to start incubating these opportunities and if they want an instant offer, a cash offer, we're gonna be the one to fulfill that cash offer behind you and partner with you. And if we buy that house, then you'll get to list it from us. You'll be our listing agent after we buy it. So we piloted this in Northeast Ohio in June of last year. And we brought about 600 agents on the platform and it worked, it was incredible. We started generating all these cash offers and all these people started raising their hands. But at the time, June of last year, interest rates started to rise right july they rise rose some more and then they kept rising and for you know they're at seven percent and we we didn't want to buy houses anymore because there was so much volatility sure but we found this unique tool that was driving us essentially opportunities for free versus us spending the six figures a month going direct to consumer and trying to acquire new opportunities so we realized that there were so many opportunities that were already acquired by the agents that were just sitting in their database that were you know, that was stagnant, that they haven't talked to for a couple years. And so if we could create this, essentially this engine that started to make those opportunities rise to the top, well, now all of a sudden the agents don't care because it's not costing them anything. We're getting opportunities for free. So we have a zero customer acquisition cost. Long story longer, we realized, wait, why are we trying to buy houses? Let's just create a white labeled product and sell it to agents, essentially to let them do with whatever they want. They can buy the houses. They don't have to buy the houses. Now, ironically, you know, we launched it in October. I'd say more than 60% of our teams don't even do a cash offer program. They just use it from the seller lead generation component. So we just realized instead of selling leads, agents are already spending so much money trying to buy leads. Let's be a platform that's a flat fee that helps them actually create opportunities out of the existing database, out of the prospects that they've already bought. And that's where the real money is. The money is in your database. And if we can help them shake that up and create these seller opportunities out of it, it's really powerful.
0: Yeah, I I used to ha, um, I had used to have on coach Ryan uh, D'April um, every uh, every month on the show and he's I think he's coming back shortly to for for the fans of the show he'll be back. But he is fond of saying um, so I'm just quoting him because it's his statistic. Uh, 16% yeah. of your database is going to transact in real going to use going to need a realtor or transact in real estate in some way. Oh yeah, that's what it is. Transact in real estate over the next 12 months. I'll say it again. 16% of your database According to Ryan, will transact in real estate in the next 12 months. And if you have, let's just say, 100 people in your database, which would be a pretty, you know, moderately sized database, um, that's 16. It's 16 potential transactions, but it's really more like possibly 32 transactions because you have some people that will sell, and sell. And then, yeah. That will, sorry, that will, yeah, or sell and then buy something else, or buy and sell, whatever. Um, so. That, you know, for people that are like wanting to buy leads, because again, the, the inclination is my database. I don't have any ex, uh, current exciting offers uh, coming up with, within my sphere of influence, so I need to seek outside. Um, and Ryan would say, "Yeah, you probably don't. It's probably all going on yeah. internally well, uh, that you're missing." And yeah. Here's
1: hundred percent, and here's what's interesting. So we, so if you do buy new opportunities, well, let us help you convert those opportunities into also a seller, right? So we do three things really well. We take the client's existing database we plug it into our platform and we start incubating them trying to drive seller leads and these can be old buyer leads old past clients old whatever right but we we plug them in our platform and start incubating them and basically creates a significant amount of traction on the seller side we also take buyer leads in real time and sync them over to our platform to try to help them to become sellers right because a lot of people that are looking to sell their home first start off looking to buy so right. if you're getting a buyer lead, that's a predictive seller lead, right? Maybe six months, 12 months out. Yeah. So how can we start incubating them, right? And then the third thing we do is we provide these, this marketing suite of products that are things like embeddable widgets and landing pages and QR codes to really help agents push it out organically to continue to drive more people into that funnel. And what we found was, so we were doing um, the you know the iBuyer. We saw 30% of people that requested an instant offer would go to market within 12 months, right? Like, so it's a it's a start of if your mind is going to. I wonder how much I can get for my house cash. You're right going to now. sell in the next. The year. first yeah. thought. You're going to sell in the next 12 months. What's interesting? Right. But you're not going to you're not going
0: to sell next week. You might you might sell in right? month. You're not going to sell next
1: week, right? Month 11. But our job is to incubate them and continue yes. to drive them back to our custom dashboard that we build for these agents that keeps them working down the funnel. And what's interesting is we had another revelation. Um, the home value message is the most universal mes- message to every homeowner across the country, right? What's my home worth? And so what we do is, what we've got really good at is we leverage the home value message, what my home's worth, to drive them into the funnel and they land on this custom white label dashboard branded to your team and it's all customizable. And we keep bringing them back to that dashboard every two weeks, every two weeks, your home values change, click here. And then there's these additional call to actions, like if you want to do a cash offer, or if you want to get a CMA, or if you want to sell now or whatever it is. So the goal is keep driving them back to that dashboard through the message of home value. What's my homework? But then once they get there, try to get them down the funnel by hitting additional call to actions, like as they get more serious, stuff like that. And it's interesting. I've seen people in the young teams database, seven, eight months that have been incubating that finally now are clicking. I want to sell my house. And it's like, you know, us as agents, we have, we're so impatient. We just, we, we want to attack them right as soon as they become a new lead. And a lot of times that's not when they're ready, but then we give up on them. Fellow is sitting there incubating them and turning them over.
0: You know, it's, it's everything you said is, is so absolutely right on the money. Um, as a marketer, um, I, I, I was I was just thinking about you know I, I'm a I'm a condo owner and I was thinking the, oh no I'm actually I mean I'm going to use a different example so for a lot for all of us um, who uh, or, or probably most of us receive experience, um monthly email that says your credit or at least I do it's free um, but I get like this thing that says my credit, credit score went up. up. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. You're getting, you're getting that, and it's kind of. I always call it like the report card of life that like lets you know how you're doing. If you know, not that credit's the end all be all, but the point is, is that every month I get an email. In fact, I got it like the other day from Experian, one of the three you know credit unions, and it said, "Hey, congratulations, your score went up by three points." And it's like, who cares? But it made me feel good, um, and 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 to bring that into real estate is one thing that realtors always forget is that even if you're not looking to sell your home, you sh- it's kind of nice to know what it's worth on a monthly basis. So this idea of incubate, I mean, what is Zillow? Zillow is two things. It's here's all the homes for sale in the area and here's what your home's worth. That's really all Zillow is. And they're brilliant because people do want to know what their home is worth. It. And if you can, instead of them having to seek it out, if you can send that to them uh, and you can you know, send that out to them proactive, Which is what fellow does. I mean, that is significantly important. I I'm in a new development. Um, I bought two years ago. I have received zero, zero communications from the 46,000 realtors in Chicago that say, Hey, you're, you bought your home for this. And it's now action. Well, they, there's probably a reason. It's probably worth less than what I paid for it. But but the point is, let's just say that it even worth was worth more. I still wouldn't have gotten any messaging saying, just so you know, your your homes. Uh, we think your homes actually appraised by X. Would love to talk more about that with you further. And by the way, two people have already sold properties within that two years. So it's not like people aren't transacting in my building. They are because um, you know life events, people move, whatever. Um, I love it. I, I think that is so brilliant. So I, I sort of stole your thunder there. But tell me, tell me more about how Fellow actually does the incubation part, the uh, the, the automatic part of, of nurturing.
1: Yep. everything is email lead generation. So it's like we have found, you know, we don't we we completely sync with everyone's CRMs. Um, so if, if they're doing automated texting plans or calling out of their CRMs, they can. But uh, basically, what we've gotten just really good at uh, is driving that opportunity into the funnel and then just incubating them through email and continuing to bring the consumer back every two weeks and landing on that dashboard. And like I said, I mean, it's, it's powerful when you, when you build a database and you realize that if they're not landing on your dashboard, that means they're probably going to a different person's dashboard or to Zillow's dashboard or realtor.com or whatever it is. Where they're trying to essentially sell that opportunity to another agent, and so we're really trying to help agents on the seller side uh, get their ecosystem, get their database back, essentially. And it's been really powerful. It's why we've grown as quick as we have. We're working with the biggest agents all over the country. Um, and you know, once again, the the buyer side is very oversaturated. Everyone is selling buyer leads. We just feel like we're kind of playing in our own sandbox with focusing on seller lead generation. And I think now with just the climate of the market, with there being limited inventory, um, it's just really clicking.
0: I love it. I have I have a bold prediction that Ryan's company if they haven't already uh been receiving a buy offer from Lone Wolf Technologies. They buy everybody who has a great product. So, uh that i uh, uh, I I'm just I'm just being silly, but um Lone Wolf seems to acquire really great idea companies and this is one that I would imagine they would love to have in their portfolio. Um but Fellow is is really cool because you're you're so right. Everybody wants seller leads because of course those are the yeah. Arguably easier of uh, of the two types of real estate leads uh, to to uh, to have to work, and um, yeah, they are the most coveted leads. And you, they're you're what you're doing is you're not selling leads, of course, because you're you're actually just taking somebody's existing sphere of influence and you're nurturing it for them. And a lot of companies claim to do that, um, but I would sure love to put my faith in a company that's helmed by the guy who runs the largest. Keller Williams are the largest team in Ohio. And and, and I'm not saying that to, to shower praise on you, but just objectively, that seems like a good idea for me.
1: Well, and my my team's using it, my team's using it day in and day out. And so we're building it, you know, with feedback based off of, uh, you know, feedback based off of what my team's seeing and when we're breaking it and where we're having success and stuff like that. So we are the user. Um, so this is not like us being some tech people in Silicon Valley, uh, you know, that have no ideas what it's like to be in the agent's shoes, you know?
0: And you're, you're not a tech guy. That's not your background. How did you, um, how and why did you decide to even build fellow? Um, you know what we, it, it's all been an accident,
1: right? Everything's been unintentional, but it's like, we saw an opportunity and then we saw another opportunity and then we saw a demand and then I, next thing you know, it's like, this is happening. And um, like I said, it was not what it was. I was just trying to build, give myself a competitive advantage. And it turns out that it. we realized that it's very, when you power it with technology, it's very uh, expandable and scalable. And uh, it just kind of came organically.
0: I think too, what, what Fellow can do, which is, is, I'm curious to get your thoughts on, is it can, it's not about necessarily waiting for somebody to say, raise their hand and say, I'm ready to sell. It's actually, it can be influential because I know if tomorrow, if I got an email from uh, an agent that was using follow that said, Hey DJ, just FYI, I think your home, your, your condos appreciated $200,000, which by the way would be, that's a fantasy. It's not going to happen. But if it did, I'd be like, I'd think about selling. Am I actively seeking out the Zestimate or what it's worth? I'm in this industry and I have no idea what my what my place is worth at the moment because I'm not looking. But if somebody were to send me, now obviously that's an extreme example, but if somebody were to just send me, hey, here's here's what's happened, here's what other places are going for in your area, you know, just updates again, the service part of this job in between the sales. The here's what's important to you, Mr. Homeowner or Mr. or Mrs. Renter or whoever. This is what you'll need today, even though you might not need me for the Next five years, here's what can be helpful. That's what really fellow does is it's consistently reminding, giving, giving the uh, the, the sphere of influence actual value in between transactions. Yeah.
1: Well, and what we've gotten good at is the uh, uh, what we've gotten really good at is actually getting them to take actionable items to work their way down the funnel to become real sellers to uh, from a lead generation standpoint and stuff like that. So there's a lot of products out there that are informative and like to incubate, but what we've gotten really good at is actually creating leads um, and actually creating conversion, I guess I should say, out of these existing opportunities to get them to raise their hands to actually become listing appointments
0: for you. Amazing. Well, everybody, Ryan has got to run. He is running the largest uh, team in Ohio. He's got stuff to do. So let's support him. Um, we're going to get him back on the show because we're going to do a deeper dive into how he runs his team as well. But highfellow.com is the website. H I F E L L O guys, seller lead, gen. seller lead, gen. That's the gold. Those are the Glenn Gary leads. Uh, if you know, Glenn Gary. Glenn Gary. Yeah, those are the Glen, we call we called them the Glen Gary leads uh, at our But anyway, those are the top of the mountain leads, highfellow.com learn about what they can do with your sphere of influence to get you more seller appointments and also guys, if you're in the north if you're in northeast Ohio you should probably work at the, the young team. Let's just be honest. Go to the youngteam.com learn about what these guys do. Maybe you'd be a great fit for them. They have high expectations, so they don't take it just anyone, but they're Keller Williams. Awesome. Amazing uh, institution. Obviously Ryan and his team are in- insanely successful and great guys. So, please reach out to them if you think what they could offer and what you could offer them and they could offer you. So anyway, uh, youngteam.com is the place to go. Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I know how busy you are and appreciate, uh, and I'm so excited to watch hi uh, I keep wanting called high fellow fellow uh, but the website's highfellow.com I keep one, I, I'm excited to see the trajectory of fellow and how you continue to evolve the product and um, maybe we'll do like a giveaway for, for our listeners at some point or some sort of uh, something we Yeah, can that'd do. be awesome I yeah, for I, all, I just go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I appreciate, I mean, it's just cool to, you know, spend time and, and hang out with you and, uh, you know, just, there's not been a lot of really incredible uh, member or, you know, you've had a, a, a pretty strong audience on here. So I'm honored to be <laughs> a part of that list.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you you were super easy to talk to. I feel like uh feel like you and I could be uh could be brothers in, in some way. Um so yes, yeah, so for everyone let's support Ryan and check out highfellow.com. Um let's also check out the young team. By the way, if you guys have uh clients that are moving to Ohio or you know, reach out to Ryan. He, may hold, he his he and his team would love those referrals. Um guys, uh last thing, please tell a friend about this show. We would appreciate it just think of one other agent in your office that would love to hear how somebody goes from being a a top chef to a top real estate agent. Shoot them over a link to this episode. You can find us at keepingitrealpod.com. We are also on all the social networks. So check us out. Just search because it's not always keeping it real is not always the, uh, the the actual handle. So just search for Keeping It Real podcast, hit that subscribe button and uh we appreciate it. Ryan, thank you for your time. On behalf of Ryan and myself, we say thank you to the audience for sticking around to the very end. We appreciate you, Ryan. Uh we will talk, see you later and we will see everybody on the next episode. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, DJ. Appreciate it.